What's up, Nana Nation? And thank you for downloading this. This is the very first episode of The Awkward Throat Clear with Aaron Chalupa. I am so proud and thankful of Aaron Chalupa for doing this. I hope you guys enjoy it. The first couple episodes, I'm very, very excited to release. This is the very first one, episode one. Remember, you heard it here first, folks. Today in the podcast, tomorrow taking over the world. This is the Awkward Throw Clear. <clears throat> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the, au- <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the Awkward Throat Clear. Now, here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. How's it going there, Not After 30 Podcast listeners? This is Aaron Chalupa, and this is the Awkward Throat Clear. I'm here in beautiful Valemount, British Columbia, with Mike Lewis, head brewer and owner of Three Ranges Brewing Company. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you, Aaron? I'm peachy keen. So I've known Mike for a few years now. Um, we know each other from brewing. We had a nice collaboration ale uh, between Jasper Brewing Company and Three Ranges Brewing Company. Uh, our series is called Across the Divide. And yeah, we did two between us and then I left and then your, your third just was released a little while ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that one go? Uh, it's it's good. Well, uh, there's some extra here we can crack. We'll, we'll crack them open. Uh, yeah. Mike was telling me how interesting they are. I haven't tasted it since it was packaged. This one is definitely uh, not exactly what was intended, but is not a heinous beer by any means. Well, maybe it's getting better with age, <clears throat> you know, like they say about... It's supposed to be a hoppy beer, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, this is my first recording for my own little sub-series on Not After 30. So uh, bear with me, folks. Hopefully this is all right. Um, my first time actually interviewing somebody instead of being the interviewed. This is so awesome. It's all cherry busting tonight. Well, you're a big podcast listener as well. I listen. I've never, ever done one. All right. Well, this should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you are from Texas, so you are quite chatter, uh, chatty as well. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, I, I, I sent you a text. And uh, I said, okay, sounds good there, Tex-Mex. You know, I think that could be a nickname for us because a lot of people think I'm Mexican with the last name Chalupa and you're Texan, so. Well, I actually, when I had to tell my wife about doing this, I was like, hey, I'm going to uh, go do a podcast with Aaron the Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you mean Chalupa? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Well, it's we always, know another Mexican Aaron? Yeah. It's always like Chalupa Batman or Chalupa Taco or something like that. Yeah, Chalupa yeah. Burrito. No. Uh, we all, everyone in my family Chalupa gets Chalupa Cabre. All right. Well, uh, let's start off with who you are. Um, you know, uh, where are you from? You know, like uh, uh, what, what, what you're about. So just brief little uh, introduction to so, the podcast world. Um, hi, my name is Michael. This is my first podcast. I'm here for support. <laughs> hi, Mike. Uh, no, so I was born and raised in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. That's where the Rangers play, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, right, right between Houston and Dallas. What? No, so, okay. Well, it's, it's, I'm it's, sorry, it's, it's I, close I, to Houston, isn't it? It's not remotely close to Houston. Okay. Actually... Uh, you have, you see my hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't follow baseball and I've never been to Texas. No, it's okay. So, uh, Houston's like five something hours away. Okay. South. Dallas and Fort Worth sitting next to each other. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, I say next to each other. They're now just one big blob. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. you used to drive like 40 minutes through 
farmer's field. Yeah. And now it's continuous city. Yeah. Concrete um, jungle. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so, uh, no, they sit, uh, Fort Worth is west of Dallas, um, but it's called the Metroplex. It's okay. DFW. Yeah. yeah. Ergo the airport. Okay. Um, but the Rangers actually play in Arlington Stadium, which Arlington oh, okay. is sits on... So you can literally, you can drive from the south side of Fort Worth to the south side of Dallas via a direct highway. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can drive from the center of Fort Worth to the center of Dallas via direct highway, and then as well the north via direct highway. And then you can also connect the dots in between with highways going like kitty oh, okay. cross. So it's just a really big access point. It's it's That's huge. Where they but have so the Arlington is off that southern highway just mm-hmm. to the south. It mm-hmm. almost centered in between Dallas and Fort Worth. Fair first. enough. And then the Cowboys are actually just on the north side of da- a little closer to Dallas than yeah. they are Fort Worth. So were you, were you raised as a sports fan really? Humorously enough, uh, we weren't baseball fans. My dad was a diehard football fan. I grew up with, uh, so McDonald's put out uh, team posters for the Cowboys every year. Mm -hmm. And every year until I was probably 12 years old, I had one above my bed. And I, at this point in my life, give two shits about football. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, I, didn't convert to, like, the Houston Texans later on. It's just like, no, NFL's gone. You know, it, it wasn't even that. I just don't think I was ever... I think it was one of those things that kind of ruined Sundays for me. Really? Yeah, because my dad... Getting lived, in the way of church. Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Y- you left church. Yeah specifically so you could haul ass home or get to whoever's house you were having lunch at Mm -hmm. so that you could turn the TV on and watch six hours of football. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm going to go outside and play. I I got no time for this. But so then I actually, after I left home, joined the military and met uh, a buddy of mine, Named Jim McLean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was young and playing his. Uh, we were de- on this in-country deployment, working with the Kentucky State Police. And I was after work. We were in this hotel, and I'm playing his Nintendo or something. Mm-hmm. And he comes in, shuts the TV, shuts the Nintendo off, and turns the Stanley Cup playoffs on. And I was like, "Holy shit, what's this?" <laughs> and from that point on, I became a hockey fan. That's good. That's really good to hear. Well, it was very funny because that season I watched Wayne Gretzky win the Cup with the Kings mm-hmm. at the end of the 93. The Kings never won a Cup. Or no, they didn't win the Cup. He they went, went to the playoffs. Sorry, yeah. they went yeah. to the finals. Yeah. And, uh, but they, so they went to the playoffs. And uh, at the end of that season, I was like, okay, now I'm a hockey fan. Yeah. Who am I going to root for? What's my team? Yeah. Lo and behold, the Minnesota North Stars moved to Dallas. Lucky enough. Boom. So would, would Medano be your favorite, or uh, did you have a favorite player on the Stars then? Yeah, I mean, Madonna's a big favorite. Um, M- Madan- M- Madano or Madonna? Madonna. Madonna. In Texas, it's Madonna. <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> yeah, we, all right, say, all right, we don't cool. say our A's the same way. Yeah. It's yeah. not pasta, it's pasta. And South. South. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like you said South before. Yeah, no, that no. That's funny. Uh, no, that's good to hear. Uh, there's, so, a lot of, there's a lot of hockey fans uh, that listen to this podcast as well. And you being a Stars fan, and then I grew up being an Oilers fan. And when I was very young, they had a lot of good uh, 
rivalry playoff well, yeah. games. They were they had a lot of the fact that Oilers knocked the Stars out of the playoffs. Yeah, years. yeah, and then vice versa. It was always Edmonton because we usually got one of the bottom seeded uh, yeah. uh, playoff uh, positions, and then it'd either be Dallas or Colorado. We'd always play off in mm-hmm. the first round. We'd either beat one and then go to the next round, and then we'd lose to the second guy. But so. it was typically six or seven games. There was yeah, never a no, short series. No, no, no. It was they, they both just battled uh, against each other. It was it was it made really exciting hockey. Like either either way, if like you know, when I was young, I'd just get really upset because. Because you know, you're I was, mad. Yeah, but looking back at it now, it was amazing. Great games. hockey, great yeah. hockey. Built a great rivalry too. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, that was me. I, I anyway, I grew up. I left home when I was 17 and joined the military and retired after 20 years and <laughs> met a Canadian girl just before I retired and. No, it's, it's, here I am now. Yeah, living the dream as an American, eh? In a little come up north, get the free health care. <laughs> I have free healthcare in the states. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, we'll get into the military part in another uh, recording. We're going to focus mainly on the beer. This one. Um, so after that, those questions. Um, you know, how did how and when did you get into craft beer? Because uh, being being from Texas, you're typically thinking of uh, macro beer. Like, uh, did, did we, were you ever a big macro fan when you were a kid? Like, I'm sure you might have got a wobbly pop or two from your your dad, and then just no. Actually, my my. I grew up in a very religious home. I oh, didn't okay. drink. <clears throat> My oldest sister, when she left home, um, yeah, I think the first time I, I mean, I had like alcohol here and there. My grandmother made her own wine and crap like that. And anyway, I do mean crap in the literal sense because it was horrible. <laughs> just strong, eh? just <laughs> huge. It did scar me for quite a while. <laughs> but, uh, I got a wine cooler for the first thing. I actually sat and drank a bottle of an alcoholic thing. I drank a Bartles and James. Ooh. And then uh, after that, I tried to drink beer. I couldn't. I became a Jack Daniels fan. Mm-hmm. And then I finally started drinking beer just as I was finishing high school, going into the military. I could kind of drink it and stomach it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I started drinking kind of the slightly more flavorful stuff that were still macro beers, but offshoots like ice house and whatnot then i went to germany that changed everything <laughs> so it's a game changer eh? well it was i spent my first year in germany and i was drinking this beer and i was like holy shit this is so amazing and i just remember the very first time i came back to the states got all my buddies that i'd grown up with and i was like we're and i researched and found a place called the flying saucer they had like mm-hmm. 150 beers on tap amazing stuff and I was like, I'm taking you guys out. We're getting some good fucking beer. So we wait 40 minutes to get into this place, and I had to pee so bad. So I go straight to the bathroom, come back out, sit down at the table. There's three Coors Lights. And I was like, you guys suck. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we're going to finish these beers, and then we're getting real ones. You know, just to cut you off, I think that's one of the biggest insults is when you go to, like, say, you go to craft or some kind of really nice tap house with you know, 70 different craft beers or something like oh that. And your, buddy, and your buddy gets a Corona or Kokanee or Labatt's or Budweiser or something yeah. like that. And you're like, what the frick are you doing? Like, Well, the, the key <laughs> indicator to me is if it's not on fucking draft here at a place that has epic amounts of beer, like, and, and I guess as a beer snob, I look at it like this. You go in and you see what kind of place it is. If it's a hole in the wall, shit bar 
then you know their taps are full of something. So therefore, if they yeah. have it in a bottle, you probably want to drink that yeah. more than you would something on yeah. tap. And in contrast, if you go to a place that has 80 fucking taps of amazing beers and you don't even have to think they're amazing, you just have to understand that there's 80 taps of different beers, this is the focal point. You probably shouldn't buy something in a fucking bottle. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, You're no. just like, come on. <laughs> so anyway, we sit down and I get halfway through it. That was it. My It turned my stomach so bad yeah. that I didn't drink another beer that night. So we never got any more beers there and we fucked off and did other stuff. And I was like, so disappointed that trip. Oh shit. <laughs> so, uh, but that was it. It was Germany. And when I came back from the States or to the States, um, I was on the hunt for better beer. Yeah. And I, I did never, I, I won't say I've never drank a macro beer since then. Yeah. Cause you get handed one on occasion and you can't mm -hmm. avoid it. No, but, for sure. Uh, they, I, they do actually make me physically uncomfortable. So the macro beers. Yeah. No, they're okay. just so sickly sweet to me. And yeah, when I was younger, like, it's funny that you say you didn't like, um, you couldn't stomach beer when you were younger because when I was younger, I'm not sure if I told you this before, but I used to be allergic to beer. I was, I was allergic to like barley, wheat and oats. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So like, I wouldn't. It wasn't like deathly. Like I would just get like really plugged sinus and uh, kind of a headache and uh, swollen eyes and stuff. Uh, a lot of a lot of things I was allergic to, but I couldn't drink it. So even my dad would make homemade beer and I'd help him out, but I wasn't allowed to drink it. It wasn't until my teen years I grew out of all of it. Um, but I still remember like grabbing beer from my dad from the downstairs fridge when like after we uh, shingled the roof or something like that and cracking open the Canadians for him, uh, most Canadian. And you just have that smell. And I remember tasting it for the first time when I was older. And it's just, you know, it, like the smell went with the taste. It wasn't that good. But like, man, when I, when I smell like coconut or uh, Canadian, it's just so much nostalgia going through my brain. Being, like taking me right back to my <coughs> preteens there. So, yeah, that's the only thing I like about most Canadian is that, you know, it's a nice, nice memory for well, sure. Well, you know, I, the, my, my one continuous experience, I will say with macro beer is this. I started seriously i say serious in a loose sense of the word started skating and playing hockey when I, when i moved uh to the island mm -hmm. ben, vancouver island for everyone vancouver island yeah, sorry yeah. my my wife when i met her she uh lived in victoria yeah and you were in washington for a bit right yeah I, my last duty station was in washington mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so when we met she was in victoria she took a temp job in vancouver so we commuted the I-5 uh, for almost a year. Yeah. Um, and then when I retired, I moved up there with her. And then we uh, got pregnant with our first child. And we were, like, not having a kid over here. So we moved yeah. back to the island. Yeah. And uh, we had a really good friend, uh, a guy that she met working for Parks Canada. And... Uh, he got out of parks and started a uh, training facility, a hockey training facility. And so every Thursday night we played short bus hockey. And it was literally like we started out in skates and jeans. Jeans. Gloves oh. and sticks. Oh, like jeans are rough to skate in too. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was hilarious. It was very funny. And, uh, but that was the one place where for me it was like everybody – drink you know they brought like 12 packs of lucky and stuff like that 
And so I just drank Lucky after the end of the games because it was like rehydrating. Yeah. Just like, well, whatever. I'm drinking water. No, no. <laughs> uh, it's probably one of the funniest things is like how much beer or some kind of drink goes with hockey. When I was in Austria, uh, I was playing with my cousin. Uh, just, you know, pick up hockey kind of thing. It's, it's amazing like how hockey's just starting to start up there. So it would be like playing with a bunch of Texans or, um, yeah. you know, Oklahoma or Kentucky, somewhere that's not so hockey popular, right? Um, after we'd finished playing, we'd all have Rattlers. So yeah. Like, yeah, that's really refreshing. Like in German, <laughs> the German verb, uh, rather is a German verb for uh, uh, to cycle. So yeah. it would be like, a, it's like an energy drink or Gatorade to them. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is all right. And they're like, oh, we don't drink to get drunk. We just drink to get energy back. So I'm like, I think that's just a, I think that's just a myth, but it's carb loaded. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with them. I'll just do that. You know, yeah. when in Rome, right? Um, so but that whole thing is BS though, because I, when I lived in Germany, you'd go to the, to the, uh, gas house mm-hmm. at the beginning of the evening to start dinner, to have your dinner. And you'd sit there with the old German guys and the whole, like the evening started out with them having their rattlers or their apple shortlays, mm-hmm. which an apple shortlay is, so rattlers just, they take their pilsner and they mix it with Citronin, like the the fizzy lemon drink, yeah, fizzy grapefruit orange, juice or something grape like that. Juice. Yeah, apple shortly is the same thing with apple juice. Yeah, like a carbonated apple juice. They, they mix their beers, which is very funny because they have like a banana mix one. And they have a, yeah. with Coca Cola, it's <laughs> called a diesel, I think. Oh, I never had that. Oh That's yeah, no, there's there's some of those. Just like no, I'm good, thanks. But so it was just hilarious to watch these old German guys where at the start of the evening they're mixing like half and half, mm-hmm. so they would get. Uh, uh, they'd order an apple shortly and because the waitress would know them, she would just bring them a half, um, uh, what's the glass they were using? The, the Pilsner glass, the big, tall, slender Pilsner glass. Oh, uh, like a, like a flute. Yeah. Like a flute. Okay. So she'd bring them a half full, one of those mm-hmm. of Pilsner and then they would fill it up with the, as they go along, as they go. Yeah. And then you just, eventually they'd order a pitcher and everybody would start mm-hmm. filling. But it was just funny how the ratio of apple juice continually diminished. <laughs> over time. Over time, they're, they're their way. just getting pitchers and they're just chugging them with beers. And, you know, nobody ever got really housed. But at the end of it, they were just drinking straight beer. So it's pretty fun. I, I love visiting other cultures. Have you ever seen the TV show uh, the, Booz- the Boozy or The Booze Traveler? No. Oh, it's this cool uh, ex-bartender uh, from Boston, and he travels around the world just, like, getting stories about, like, different drinks and stuff. So he'll go to Hungary and hear about the traditional drinks there and uh, go to Finland, try out Sati, the beer. Yeah. Uh, and, like, a whole bunch of different other things. And, like, go to Canada, try maple whiskey. <laughs> like, oh, like, like well, yeah. whatever that region's drink is, he'll try that. Uh, he was actually in Louisiana, and he had some kind of hooch that was tobacco-infused. So the, the tobacco would be fermenting, right? And yeah. then they would have the juice there with, I think it was, uh, it wasn't vodka. I think it was like some kind of whiskey. And it's just super interesting. Uh, oh man, I, I really sounded Did drunk. Did you say it tasted like ass? It, like leather. Like smoky leather. Oh, I so, can see that. Yeah. Kind of interesting. So it was very, very interesting there. And they're, um, yeah, they, they had some kind of, because there's a, a group of, Cajun type people, but it's more German ancestry for these people in Louisiana. Yeah. 
So it, it was super cool to check that out. And, you know, like how much I'm into alcohol as well. So yeah. uh, very, very fascinating. Um, you know, it, most cultures or countries around the world have been built from alcohol or coffee. Well, the alcohol is such a base culture until you really... Yeah, until you go into the prohibition <laughs> times in the North America. <laughs> like, that's the thing. They just well, that brought our, country, our, our two countries even closer. Well. Getting, getting booze from yeah, Saskatchewan getting, and getting uh, the, rum, rotter, the yeah. rum runners in the Atlantic. Exactly. Um, sorry, I've, I've sidetracked this. No, that's fine. We, we do that all the time. And at least uh, we're kind of on the topic of alcohol. I'm all about shiny, <laughs> shiny objects. Yeah, no, exactly. I have a good colored head on them and uh, high ABD. So, like myself, uh, you started homebrewing first. Mm -hmm. When about that start? Did you start doing that when you're in the military? When your buddies got you into that, or was no. it more a relative or a friend? <clears throat> no, it was it was Veilmount. Veilmount. So you moved up here with Rundy. No, no. I... So Rundy Rund is is his wife, by the way. Yeah, so. Rundy's my wife. Yeah. So backstory to that very briefly. She's originally from Jasper. Yep. Grew up there. She was raised with. Uh, in the in the warden service because her her father's park warden, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and she uh, left and went to uni university, and then entered the warden service. Yeah. So she's a warden in. Uh, she was working for the warden service at uh, Gulf Islands. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we met, brought me up here. My first time to Veilmount because her folks, when her dad retired from, well, I guess when she was about 10 years old, they bought property in Veilmount. Yeah. And then they retired here uh, when he was done. So she kind of grew up here and so forth. We, 2010, when we were dating, she brought me up here to meet the family. Mm -hmm. And as we're driving home, I'm looking at her like, this place it's beautiful. It's amazing. This is the kind of place I would like to end up when we're really done working. Mm -hmm. But if you come to a town like this, there's no work here. So yeah. if you still need to make a little bit of income, you have to bring your work. So we're about halfway down the Coca-Cola and she goes, are you drinking a fucking beer? Why don't you make it? And I went, oh, I could do that. Yeah. And we got, this is when she lived in Vancouver. We rolled into Vancouver. I Googled it the next day and we happened to live five uh, blocks from, at the time, I believe the only, or at least the only one I could find homebrew shop in uh, Vancouver, which oh, I'm a horrible person because I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, it's a guy's name. I have to, I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize to him. Well, not to him, <laughs> but to the people at the shop as well, if any of them hear this. Uh, we'll, we'll have to throw it on the next uh, podcast. Yeah, I'm going to Google out. it in between. We'll give him a bump, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, well, he actually passed away a few years ago, but he seriously was the origin of some of the the craft beer explosion just in, in Vancouver proper. Because mm -hmm. a lot of these guys that are brewing down there. Yeah all started at his home homebrew shop, mm -hmm. you know? So anyway, I went in there and I bought a kit. And for me, I I just retired. So I had nothing to do with my time. Yeah. And we had this little tiny 400 square foot flat uh, in downtown. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll homebrew. 
and we're going to create because through the the duration of our drive home we had created this extremely long-term like 15 year kind of business idea of opening this little tiny brewery because mm-hmm. it was kind of cool yeah <clears throat> well we uh we i went got the homebrew kits came back started going through reading about it started googling about it and i'm kind of a full immersion sort of guy so i just totally got into it and brewed the first two kits over the next two weeks while they were fermenting i found an advanced home brewing course at uc davis it was four days long or three days long or something and signed up for that scheduled my date for it buying books ordering stuff on amazon and just i got those first two beers packaged taste them tasted them and i had no temperature control or anything yeah. in our little loft at the yeah. time Oh, they were butter bombs. They were <laughs> so full of uh, diacetyl. It was just horrible. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. I was like, ah, this doesn't really taste great, but it's not undrinkable. So, yeah. You just pounded them back. No, I probably dumped like half of them. Yeah. <clears throat> I've, but, I've been there before. At least they didn't get infected in the bottles. Those are the They didn't. Ones. And that was my, that was yeah. kind of a great thing. I didn't infect anything. Yeah. But so I went to this course learned all mash, had access to, it, so the course was at UC Davis, so I had access, it's held at the, um, oh man, I'm totally not uh, prepared. One of the universities down there? Or? No, so UC Davis has uh, in, uh, a wine program there, yep. Yep. and they also have their brewing, for. they have a master brewers course yep. there. And there's a, uh, a pub there that they actually hold their course at. So there's a brew pub. That's and, a good incentive. <laughs> well, it is. And it's hilarious because Michael Lewis, Dr. Michael Lewis, mm-hmm. is one of the, you know, the big names in brewing. Like he's the one of the godfathers of brewing and brewing education mm-hmm. and theory. And so he's just, it's this amazing thing. He designed and built that course Mm -hmm. at UC Davis. So I'm standing in front of one of the random instructors (laughs) and he looks at me and I'm getting ready to ask him a question. He looks at my name tag. He gets like, oh, you're a popular guy around here. (laughs) And I went, uh, wrong middle initial. Wow. And then I found it actually wasn't. (laughs) Oh, no way. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty strange. No, Any, not, not the same middle name, though. No, no. Okay, well, that'd just be weird. It is. Well, it's almost like Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson, right? Well, exactly. So I was like, oh, Michael Jackson, the famous beer critic. And it's just like, Michael Jackson was a beer critic? And like, oh, not that guy. Yeah. Not, <laughs> the, white, not the, the white one. The one that started uh, out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very, very awkward. Yeah. It, it, was, uh, it was awesome, though. It was such a learning experience. And I'm, I'm really happy because of my total immersion personality mm. i had done so much reading going there that i could ask a lot of educated questions even though i didn't have the actual experience of doing what a lot of the other guys had already done in their home brewing um history i guess yeah so they um so i came back from that and stumbled upon a little article on the uh, internet about this guy who'd built a one gallon mash tun. And I built, well, not a one gallon. It was actually a, like a two gallon igloo cooler. Mm-hmm. 
but I built a little one gallon all grain homebrew system for my 400 square foot flat. I went out and I bought one of these little tiny, so the, my black fridge yep. that sits in the brewery. Yep. That was my little tiny apartment fermentation chamber. And I put it on a temperature controller. And when it was time to lager my, my Pilsners, I took them out of the fridge and put them in the freezer and put the temperature probe in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that the best home brewers are the ones that have some kind of special trade. You know, like they, they can either, uh, or even, even for like uh, an actual brewery, they know plumbing, they know carpentry, they know yeah. welding, they know uh, plumbing, all that kind of stuff, electrical I don't know work. Any of that. Yeah, 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 but but you have the, you have the drive to you know experiment with it, you know. Uh, if if you if you just grab something, you maybe like watch a YouTube video or just like a do-it-yourself kind of thing, and you go with that. That really helps a lot. Yeah, and I I try to it saves you a lot of money in the end as well. Well, it does, and it and the best part was is you know just in the three months that I was. Actually, probably not even three months, but in about two months that I homebrewed in there. And then you add on the other three months before I cranked up my larger homebrew system. Uh, so over the course of, say, four or five months or so, and I brewed probably 80 batches of beer on this one-gallon system. Like, it was just, it was stupid. I was brewing, and then my wife... My 80 batches of beer, and like what kind of type, uh, time frame? In about a five month, four and a half month wow. time frame, one gallon batches. Well done. Like, I would how, how many fermenters or carboys did you have? Well, I wasn't using carboys. Um, again, come back to the brewery and I had these uh, six liter plastic square, like the food things you probably use in the kitchen at the brew pub. Inserts, okay. Well. Like really big Tupperware looking things. Yeah, sort of, but okay. they're, they're food grade. And they, they have measurements on them. They had a plastic lid, and I cut a hole in the lid to fit a bung the in it. The bung in, yeah, yeah. And, uh... Airlock. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, an airlock. And, um... So, yeah, like, I, I built little tiny fermenters, mm -hmm. and I would brew two batches in a day, and I could fit in this, uh, in that fridge, I could have six batches fermenting at a time. So as long as I had all, all the beers either on the same pace or based on the style of beer, yeah. they needed the same fermentation temperature, mm -hmm. then it was all good. Mm. And so I could roll them that way. If I was doing lagers though, I had to be dedicated j just to lagers or else in the conditioning phase on the ales because to cr control the um, freezer, at 32 degrees, it screwed with the power cycle of the refrigerator enough that it didn't keep it at like two degrees C. It kept it higher than that. And therefore, it, it, because it wasn't, it, it, I, because it wasn't holding a consistent temperature in the freezer, in the refrigerator, sorry, not the two degrees, but it wasn't holding a consistent temperature based upon a temperature probe in the, in the fridge. Yeah. It screwed it up, so everything had to be in a conditioning phase to where it could sit anywhere between 15 and like eight degrees mm -hmm. and not really matter. Mm -hmm. And so that's essentially what happened with it. So I was, I actually was then learning like scheduling and my fermentation processes and where they were gonna be and the timing of my beers. And, and just getting it dialed in. 
Well, no, I was stumbling through there, <laughs> figuring out what the hell all this did. O organized chaos. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And so, but it made me a six pack at a time. That's good. So there wasn't so much beer that I couldn't drink it. Yeah. And there wasn't so little beer that I couldn't really evaluate it because of like, so the very first Pilsner that I brewed, mm. again, back to the business plan, it's a Budweiser town. And so I knew that if I was going to... So we're talking about the Pilsner here in Belmont. The... No, let me... Way okay. back when. Hold okay. on just okay. a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just need to make sure we get the, the, the timing and, and what you mean by town. No, so when I looked at Valmont and in this long-term 10-year plan, I was like, well, I'm going to have to make a lager. Yes. Period. Of course. So... In this, it was kind of my... I was thinking about it. So even when I went to this the advanced homebrewing course yeah. at UC Davis, I cornered one of the brewers and I said, look, this is what I'm thinking about for this style of recipe being a Pilsner. I said, so tell me exactly where you like, what do you think about this plan? Does this sound like the correct? And he's like, yeah, it's spot on. So I went home and brewed that and I brewed three different versions of it with grain variations and hop variations. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law was a uh, caribou drinker. Yes. Caribou, caribou lager, caribou, caribou honey popular. lager. Yeah. You know, you know, for like, they're, if I'm not mistaken, it's Pacific Brewing Company? Pacific Western Pacific, Brewing. Yeah, and they're they're independent, aren't they? They are independent. Yeah, so I don't like to call myself a beer snob. I, I do like good beer. I really enjoy good beer, and I know how to make good beer. I do. Um, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. I think you've always been a fan of my uh, seasonals, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah There'd been a couple. I was like, eh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you had a little bit more hops, or yeah, maybe you know. a little more hops. Maybe more time and conditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, for sure. The time and conditioning, very much so. Um, but uh, you know, I, I like to drink. Well, I don't like to drink, but I because I play rec hockey. I like to have you know cheap lager or something like that. So Alberta Genuine Draft is uh, owned and operated by. Uh, Big Rock Brewing right now, uh, independent brew house uh, from uh, comes from um, Great Western Brewing Company, I think. I can't oh, remember. Uh, it's, yeah. it's out of Saskatchewan. They also make original sixteen uh, yeah. copper and pale ale and all that stuff. Another independent company, and then also um, Caribou. So if I ever see those guys and I just need something cheap, I'll pick them up. Opposed to say Lucky Lager, Bud Light, Coors, Islander like Lager is Vancouver Island Brewery. Is it? it okay. Is. There's also, uh, what was the other one I saw? Uh, Bowen Island, I think, is... Bowen Island is, uh, if, uh, if I believe, remember correctly, it's owned by Northam. Northam. Out of Kamloops. Okay. W what do they make? Whistler or Brewing Company. Oh, okay, okay. So, and, they're, they're, but they're independent. They're not owned by... No, they are independent. Yeah, so they're not uh, owned by one of the big correct. guys. They were actually... Uh, so, a little bit of history there... David Beardsell, who's the owner of uh, Red Collar Brewing in Kamloops mm -hmm. currently, he originally was the founder and owner of um, Bear Brewing, which has since evolved into Northam. Yeah. He sold that. I think it's actually been sold twice. Maybe once. Anyway, um, <clears throat> and then he started The Noble Pig. I've heard of Noble Pig. Then he sold that. Yep. 
to a really great couple, Megan and. Uh, oh man! God, it's straight the, straight it's in the late. brain. I'm sorry, man. No, I'm, no, it's all right. Uh, Mike Mike's stressing a lot because he has a he has a big trip to Texas uh, <laughs> tomorrow with the family. So yeah. two two little girls and his wife, and the two the two girls are under the age of four. Both five and four. Five and four. And it's their first time across well, the border. I think. Eh? No. No, the oldest one, she was under, or right at a year old the first time she flew and went south of the border, but she didn't remember it, so. Yeah, so. It's going to be quite the experience. So we'll have to forgive Mike a few times here, but it's it's no uh, worries. So anyway, uh, Megan and, and her partner own it. They've actually sold a portion of it. I think they still own a portion of it, but Mission Springs, they're in partnership with now. Um because Mission Springs wants to get into the brew pub thing and it's going to help Noble Pig kind of get their process going and distribution a little better. So Dave now has started and owns Red Collar Brewing, which is um, in downtown. He's been open, I think, about a year, a little over a year, maybe. Good brewery. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, Whistler and Bowen Island are brewed out of that. But I can't, I don't want to say that 100%. No, that's fine. Uh, pretty much the main point I was just getting at is that. Yeah. You know, like, if if there is a time where you just need to go cheap, might it's, as well go for an independent company, support local. Kind no, of thing. for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. If it's, yeah, I, I will go that route before I buy Anything. Well, I, I just love the kind of stuff like most Canadian, you know, made from Canada. Because they can't say made in Canada anymore, really, because... All the money's going to an American company. Exactly. Yeah. Or, yeah. Even worse. <laughs> that's, well, that's the whole Bud thing. Like, I get such a giggle. They labeled this year, they labeled a beer America. Like, they changed oh, the name of the yeah. beer to America. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding Just me? Just a big head shake. <laughs> like, all the money goes to Belgium, boys and girls. Like, let's get I, our shit together. I, here. I don't even know why they didn't just call it America. 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 Freedom. Yeah. Pa- Patriot. Patriot. Ale. Oh, God. It's just so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, where are we on the list? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, okay. Yeah, so so listeners, I, I, since I'm all rookie here, I've got a nice list of what I'm doing. Um, something else I want to talk about with your homebrewing is there was a contest you entered in, oh, if sure. I'm not mistaken, yeah. eh? And that was through Phillips Brewing Company? Yes, Matt Phillips. Uh, he... I still haven't met the guy. I've been dying to. I hear he's just one hell of a guy. Uh, very nice and uh, great success story. So he is. Uh, Matt is what gives me inspiration that one day I will not be the slave that I am. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. Is uh, so being on the island, being in Victoria, it is a it is the the craft beer culture completely because you're surrounded with Matt Phillips, who essentially like you know started the the. Uh, I don't want to say the first. It wasn't the it wasn't the first, but it's probably the most successful. I would well, say, I would say well, really, well distributed craft brewery in BC. I would say they definitely made a mark, for sure. They they kind of raised the bar with their um, love to the community. Yeah, they really brought that out. They didn't just like you know like okay we're just gonna do our thing, do it right, and only look at these people. Uh, I've always found that Phillips is like, no, we're going to get out there. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to get our name out as much as possible and uh, just make the scene. 
Yeah. Like any, anytime there's something going on, we're going to try to get in there, not just let the big guys go there. Yeah. Well, and so the funny thing about it is, too, is I, years before I ever met Matt, I had brewed a beer in his brewery. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. <laughs> Didn't meet the guy, but I was brewing beer there. <laughs> I did. And so it's kind of interesting. So I homebrewed. Mm hmm. Did my one-gallon system. We moved back to the island. I was still brewing the one-gallon system there, and I was also transitioning from, like, closing out my existence in the States and getting all my stuff out of storage and moving north to Canada. Mm -hmm. Like, permanently, we'd gotten married, I got residency, the whole gamut. So, I got all my stuff up here. Oh, no, I'm sorry. At this point, I hadn't gotten residency. I got my student visas. I did. So that I wouldn't have to leave every, like, three months or some shit and come back, like, back and forth. The, the border control must have just loved you. You must know him by first name. and No, man, they had a lot of different people there. And I had some, like, really humorous and some really shitty situations at the border. Yeah. Um, As we all have. Yeah. Well, the very first time I came across, I had just come back from a Christmas. I spent Christmas in Guatemala just because I wanted to. Why not? Well, I was supposed to. Warm. I was supposed to deploy. Yeah. And our deployment got canceled, which was a combination of good and frustrating. Yes. And um, so then I pursued this relationship with this Canadian lass mm -hmm. via online dating. <laughs> It does work. I'm a success story. Oh, I, I also agree to you. Yep. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> we decided, we talked for about three weeks or a month, and we decided to actually meet and go out. Mm -hmm. And so I took a weekend to go to Victoria. Mm -hmm. So I'm barely a, a month back from this Guatemala trip, and now I'm going into Canada. So I roll up to the border guard. I, we took the ferry, the uh, Clipper, Victoria Clipper. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rolled up there with that, get off the ferry. The guy goes, why are you here? I said, oh, I'm going on a date. It's like, really? How, how long have you known her? And I said, uh, about a month or so. When did you start dating? I was, mm, technically, this is kind of our first date. Yeah. He's what? Aww. And I was like, so, we, yeah, we met online, and he, we were actually gonna meet and he goes well that's awesome let me let you get through do you have anything declared uh, diamond ring anything like that and I was like, come on dude so then he, he goes okay well i'm gonna have to ask you to step through that door right there and have a seat in the chairs so i get fucking pulled to the side for questioning oh no so now mind you the fairy has landed she's outside waiting for this stranger to come off that she's never met I'm hanging out in there for 40 fucking minutes. Like the whole place is emptying oh, out and it's no. me and this other random guy sitting there and this big six foot four, six foot five, like 260 pound female uh, CBSA woman, <laughs> gun on her hip, big scar on her cheek, standing in front of me. She's like, so you're Michael Lewis? Yes, ma'am. You're here to go on a date? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay, why don't you tell me a story? Well, we, we met online, and I'm coming up here, and she, she goes, 
So, you've never met? No. She's probably waiting outside that door for me. We're hopefully gonna do that very shortly. She goes, okay, so what's your plan? Well, I'm gonna get out the door and I'm gonna meet her and we're gonna go eat lunch and then we're gonna go, I don't know, somewhere else and then we'll maybe have dinner and go to a movie. And she goes, I said, if it goes well, we'll have dinner and you know go to a movie and, and she goes, so if it doesn't go well, you could be on the boat tonight, going home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, technically, I guess I could be Thanks on the boat going home. my confidence. <laughs> she goes, but if you don't, you're staying. I said, yeah. She goes, do you have a hotel reservation? Yes. Would you like to see it? Nope. That's good. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're going to check whether I'm having sex with her, too? Come <laughs> on. Oh. Here, here, I thought you were going to go with that. She was going to give you her. Uh, her number, yeah. <laughs> no. It's like just in case it doesn't go well. No, and let's no. just let's be clear. Uh, the, my, my friend Michael Lewis here, he, he's not a very big man, so I'm just picturing this woman compared to him, and you just must have just been frightened. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I was frightened. Like you know, you got to give any anybody well, their point, respect, you're just, but just you, to go. it's this intimidation factor. Yeah. It's kind of funny because the guy sitting next to me is going to reconnect with an old flame that he hadn't seen in years. Yeah. And he gets essentially the same grilling and he leans over and he's like, damn, they're fucking protective of their women up here. (laughs) And I said, you have a terror baby up here. I said, well, yeah, it kind of seems that way. So (laughs) I felt really bad because in the end, this girl who's waiting to meet this random stranger, get off the boat comes out an hour and a half after the boat stopped. <laughs> oh, man. I was one of the last people out. What have you been getting up to? Thankfully, she yeah. was still there, so... Well, it makes an interesting conversation, though. It does, it does. It was a pretty pretty humorous situation. So, so. even though it was a very funny story, we need to get back a little bit. To, oh, sorry. Uh, no, 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 absolutely <laughs> fine. I think, I hope, but I'm pretty sure everyone got a good laugh about that. Very funny. Um... Yeah, yeah. So uh, you you entered this home brewing contest. Oh, so I. What, so, what are the details of that? Uh, camera, the campaign for real ale, Victoria. Yep. yep. They had a homebrew competition, and because I had started brewing a fair bit in my little brew system, and we had just moved back to the island, I don't even remember how somebody brought it. Maybe Rundy saw it or something. <clears throat> but so I get presented with this. I have four days until the deadline. So I just go, well, crap, I have these beers in the fridge. Sure, I'll enter it. It'll at least get me some feedback. So I'm going through this pile of beers in the fridge, and I had three of these, and I had three of these because you had to have three for the entry, and I had three of these, and oh, you know what? Here's this Pilsner that I've been making. So when I went to my father-in-law, I took three different recipes. Mm-hmm. I had him pick his favorite of the, two, of the recipes. Mm-hmm. I went back home. Brewed again, brewed two variations of the same grain bill, different hops and some other real slight. Mm-hmm. Took that back, had him taste it, pick his favorite, came back, brewed that again. So by the time we rolled into Christmas, we had settled on this one beer mm-hmm. that he liked, and I made a full batch of it and he was like ah that's great and he liked it and i went okay if i can sell her dad on this because this is where we're at with caribou as a caribou drinker if i can sell her dad on this i could i could make this beer and sell it to anyone yeah so i here's a 
the last three bottles of this Pilsner that I had made out of this batch. And I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll throw this in too. <clears throat> Lo and behold, out of the four beers I entered, one finished second place in its category, but the Pilsner won its category and it won best of show. And then all of the category winners uh, of each of the categories were then taken to Phillips for a tasting panel and they picked one to brew as what they called their um, showdown uh, yeah the showdown uh, winner mm -hmm. champion essentially they picked one of the beers out of the homebrew competition and brewed it as a production batch and it got put into their mix pack their 12 pack of bottles and lo and behold, my gal Pills got picked. So my very first homebrew competition in a beer that I focused on as being like the success to the business plan of having a brew in a little mountain town in BC. If you're a rural town, you need a, you need a lager. That's you need good. a lager yeah. because you have lots of lagers that drink lager. Exactly. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. So, yeah, like holy shit, it did that. And I, it was kind of, it was awesome um, but it got put in this pack, four bottles into each mix pack, and it was just awesome because it was my complete first experience of going in and brewing 30 hectoliters of my Pilsner and watching it go into a big tank, and I'm in a big production brewery, and I'm like, holy shit, would you look at this? Yeah. You know, so it was pretty amazing uh, to see that and to all of a sudden – go from being like I'm a random guy with this random 15-year plan of starting a brewery to look what I can do. I could actually do this because my beer rates in the eyes of a lot of people that tasted it. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to go out into the masses and get consumed as well. Yeah, these aren't just random people that are like, oh, yeah, this beer's pretty good or your buddies or whatever. These are actually people that have been in the industry for quite some time, so they know their beer yeah, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. So it, it it always means a little bit more to me when you know I I I love it when I have a friend that really enjoys a beer that I made. Yeah. Um. Or or you know a confidant that tries it and it's like hey you know you, yeah this is good it's really good but it means a little bit more when that person actually knows beer. You know it, it's like if you're you know you 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 make some kind of woodwork or yeah. any, any 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 kind of trade or you know little project you do it's somebody else that is. Uh, you know, a master at it or um, re really uh, familiar with that that project or that uh, topic gives you the, the props. When you have a respect for their knowledge base in that pursuit, mm -hmm. whether it's industry or whatever, that's when it you... <clears throat> it's one thing for Joe Blow to... You know, my customers who I... You know, to me, they're, they're my biggest voter because they hand me their dollar bill. Yes. You know, well, you don't have a dollar bill. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we, used to, we used to have a two. We used to have a two dollar bill. <clears throat> yeah, we 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 get it. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. But and you love to have that vote. But when it's it's somebody who you know goes through the same struggles and has the same occasional confidence issue mm -hmm. over that same type of thing that they're producing, that's when you go, wow, okay, I yeah yeah, so completely agree. So, yeah. and then with, with winning this contest, what was the ultimate prize? 
Oh, the ultimate prize was they brewed the entire batch and they put it out in uh, their mix pack. Which when, when when did that happen compared to when the actual contest was? Well, <laughs> that was no. It was kind of funny because the contest was in the at the very beginning of the year. It ended up working like three or four months of waiting before they actually brewed it. Mm -hmm. But then the the kind of humorous part was the reason why I didn't meet Matt on brew day was because he was out signing a contract with a distributor to start distributing his products in Alberta. Mm -hmm. Then when I came in for bottling day, the majority of those mix packs that were made with my showcase showdown Pilsner in it went to Alberta. <laughs> so you're like, Ah, son of a bitch. And we thank you for it. <laughs> ah, well, it was just funny because we were running around town like everywhere. They Looking gave, for it. They gave me uh, probably the better part of two or three flats of beer um, just for me to kind of divvy out to friends, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, shit. I still have an unopened bottle somewhere, too. I haven't tried this yet, but I've had the Upslope Creek, so. Yeah, which is... is actually slightly varied oh of um, course, of course but so yeah where he leads to with the ups of creek is that is essentially the beer that i brew as our flagship lager lager yeah. here yeah. at three ranges right on so and with that topic uh we're closing in on the one hour mark i believe uh so we're gonna tie this episode off we're gonna have a few more uh so this is part one of well, honestly, who knows? Because I got a few <laughs> more questions here, and it might turn into a four-parter. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot, there, Mike. Um, you know, if, if you're around, we'll record the next uh, couple if we can. Um, got many more questions for you. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast, listeners. Uh, we're gonna pass you back to Anthony, who's probably gonna close it out, or who knows what he's gonna do. He likes to edit these things all in his own way, El Jefe. Uh, well, thanks for listening to this uh, first of many episodes for me and yeah please don't drink and drive and enjoy lots of good craft beer uh quoting uh, hunter s thompson good people drink good beer so uh anything you want to say there mike as we used to say in the old army safety briefs like he said don't drink and drive but if you do Drive really fast to reduce your exposure time. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't uh, support that, but it is pretty funny. Anyway, thank you very much, and yeah, we'll catch you guys in a bit. There it is, Aaron Chalupa's first podcast on his own in the books. That is was. The Awkward Throw Clear with Aaron Chalupa. The ATC with AC. I don't know. I think it was funny. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please show Aaron Chalupa anything you can. And show him your dick. Show him a little bit of love. Um, lickety like this podcast. Instagram post. It'll probably be on both of our Instagrams. Blah, blah, blah. All that good stuff. Show and support this guy on his new venture. We love him. You should love him too. Because we said so. Have a great day. And enjoy your week.